chapter number 24. Well, last week, Leotis came out to preach, and Leotis hadn't had a voice all week as a result of that, so he's got to, he's got to temper himself down a little bit, and I don't mean that in a negative way, because I do like to preach a little bit with fervency, but at the same time, I also know the limitations physically, and, uh, but at the same time, I'm excited. I began to set my heart uh, later in the week to just really say, God, help me to take it what's familiar to us. This is Easter Sunday. This is the core of our belief. This is what we believe. Do I spin it? Do I try to look at it from a different angle? Do I go through the eyes of the apostles? Do I go through the eyes of Mary? Do I go through the eyes of Pontius Pilate, the Roman soldiers, whatever it is? And I found myself just kind of coming back to just a couple of familiar passages to me. Let me tell you, there's nothing, anything wrong biblically about what's familiar. Because what's familiar can be fresh if God breathes upon it. And it can quicken inside you and bring life. And at the culmination of the message today, I actually saw something that deepened my faith as it relates to the resurrection. So I want you to stand up. We're going to read a few verses of Scripture from Luke's gospel and John's gospel. Though oddly enough, this is not what I'm preaching about, but it does create the context. There's a couple of words I want to extract. Here in Luke chapter number 24, verses 36 through 41. And thankfully today we have the authorized version we'll be reading from. Verse number 36, it says, And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. Man, wouldn't that just be, wouldn't that rock this house today? Come on, just in this moment of time, he just stood right in the midst of them. No knock on the door. No one going to inquire who it is. He was just there. It was in just like that. In a moment, he was not there. In a moment, he was there. Just like that. And peace be unto you. He'll bring peace to your life today. And they were terrified and affrighted, and so would you. And suppose, that's where that, that's speaking in tongues came into existence right here. It's not recorded, but that'd been the first Shatakaya Mosia moment right there. Because they had saw him die, they had heard reports that he might be alive, but they had not believed, and there he was. And they were affrighted. They supposed that they had seen a spirit. He said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. But notice this 41st verse. It kind of stands out. And while they, you would think it says, and while they believed. Seeing is not always believing. And while they yet believed not for joy. They were so overwhelmed by the wonderment of that moment that they still did not believe. Let's turn now, if we can, to John's gospel for just a few verses of scripture here towards the end. John's gospel. We're going to begin reading at verse number 28 here, just uh, this is the familiar moment where Thomas, who was not there in the house when he appeared previously that we just read about, Thomas had been told that Jesus was alive. Thomas had made that famous statement that unless I reach my hand into his side and touch the imprint of the nail in his hand, I'll not believe. And this is Jesus' response, and I want you to just catch just four verses, and that's going to conclude our standing for the reading of Scripture. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Man, I thank God for that today. I hope you can say that. 
Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. You know what? I wasn't there that day, were you? I wasn't numbered among the apostles. I wasn't at Galilee. I wasn't in that first appearance. I wasn't on the Mount of Olives. So I can't say that I have the actual experience of touching him physically. The body that he said is not just a spirit body, but it's a flesh and bone body. I'll talk about that in a moment. I've never touched him. But notice what Jesus said. Thomas, because you have seen me, thou hast believed. But blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Now look at what John said in these final two verses. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. John later said in the next chapter over when he concluded this gospel, he said, if we tried to write down everything that he said that he, that he did and said while he was here with us, the world could not contain the volume of books that could be written. That's how prolific Jesus' ministry was. More signs, he said, he did in the presence of his disciples, affirming and confirming his resurrection, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. And so today my message is entitled, I Believe. Do you? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this privileged moment. I'm so, God, honored to be here. What a, a, a presence of God that's here. Lord Jesus, you're still in the midst of your disciples today. Maybe we can't touch you tangibly, but we can experience your presence, Father, through your Son and through his resurrecting power. God, now that we have worshiped and our thoughts and our attention is towards the word of God, I've prayed this many times in this house. Let preaching come easy this morning, Father. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and give us a heart to understand. It's in Jesus' name. And everyone said, you can be seated. Thank you so much for your reverence and standing for the word of God today. I want to take a moment of time to just kind of be very frank and honest with you here. When I consider this, this is the subject of all subjects to the Christian faith. It's the cornerstone of what we believe. It's Resurrection Sunday. But the reality is, is Resurrection Sunday is every Sunday. Every day that we get up, we get up strengthened by the, by the fact, the knowledge, the hope that we gain because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter said it was a lively hope. It's a living hope. It's always alive. You can't take it. You can suppress men. You can take men and hide them in chains of darkness, but you can't take the hope that's in their heart. Nothing can take away from the Reality that I possess in my heart today that Jesus Christ is alive to the glory of God the Father. And the promise that I have eternal life that dwells on the inside of me. I want to turn to a passage of scripture here. There's three things that I'm going to just mention briefly today. And this is the most familiar of all passages for me when I minister as it relates to resurrection. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. There's two verses of scripture that stand out that I want to draw your attention to just very, very quickly today. It's in the third and the fourth verse, and this is the Apostle Paul is affirming the belief in the resurrection to the Corinthian church. Obviously, there are some um, teachings that are going through the church at Corinth that Jesus did not uh, actually physically rise from the dead. It doesn't take very long to corrupt the Word of God. The enemy will quickly sow, he will sow tares among the wheat. 
And we can see this. This is just but a few years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the establishment of the church. But already there are those that are possessing a supposed faith in Christ but do not believe in the literal physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul is writing here to affirm Paul did not see him like the other apostles did, but he did have a personal encounter with a resurrected Savior, did he not? Paul's writing by revealed knowledge. The Holy Spirit's quickened this knowledge to him. He says, I declared unto you, or I delivered unto you, verse number three, first of all, that which I also received. Paul makes it known in many of his writings that he writes by revelation of Jesus Christ, not through personal experience. Again, let me say this. The Apostle Paul was not one of the chosen 12 apostles who were privy to the personal ministry of Jesus Christ. He was just a young student at the feet of Gamaliel during those days in a a pharisaical setting of learning in the city of Jerusalem. But he was being shaped and nurtured because he plainly said in the book of Galatians that that, that God had, before he was even born, God had already begun to form the call of God in his life. And so Paul's given revelation. Here he says, I received it from the Lord. How that Christ died for our sins. You believe that today? Man, that will awaken the preacher in me today. And that is, Jesus died for our sins. He didn't just die to give you a pleasant life or a good life. Uh, We thank God for abundant life. But he died because we were sinners. The good person that you are today is not who he died for. The evil person that you used to be, that's who he died for. He died for our sins, but notice what he said, according to, say it with me right there. I know it seems to hurt to say it. According to the scriptures, say it, don't be afraid of it, the scriptures. And Paul is affirming to us that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, Right there it is. The Apostle Paul is writing to a Gentile church, and he is affirming to them that the belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ has come to him according to the Scriptures. Now, you and I seated here today, when we think of Scriptures, then many times we think of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. Then we see ourselves transitioning into the Epistles, even culminating with the Revelation of the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. But Paul here is writing, and he's saying Jesus died, and it was foretold hundreds of years ago in the Scriptures. He's speaking of the, of the Law of Moses. He's speaking of the prophets and the Psalms, known to the culture of the first century in Judaism as the Scriptures. The word Scripture in the original language means holy writ. The very first record that we have of Holy Writ is when God himself took his own finger and took two tablets of stone and pinned upon it ten commandments that he gave to his servant Moses high upon Mount Sinai. It's called in Hebrew the Torah. It's the law of Moses. And that's the very first appearance that we have within Judaism that would then translation into Christianity of Holy Writ. And Paul has a belief that the person of Jesus Christ, his life, his ministry, his, uh, his, his sacrificial death, his burial, and even his resurrection had been foretold hundreds, even thousands of years earlier by prophetic utterances that had been captured by the pen of men who were moved by the Holy Spirit. And when they captured those words and put them on paper, they became holy writ. They became scripture. And Paul is affirming to the writers that he's not just testifying to the ministry of Jesus because of his personal experience, but he's testifying to the ministry of Jesus because of the scriptures. 
You know why I believe today that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and is resurrected today? And I believe he's resurrected. It's because there was a man that the Bible says was after God's own heart. And he lived a thousand years before the Apostle Paul. He first came on the scene with a sling in his hand and a shepherd's staff. And he defeated Goliath in a valley called Ella outside of Bethlehem. And the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And David was not only a warrior king, but he was a prophet. And he was a psalmist. And many of his songs contained imagery, prophetic imagery of the future. That the Spirit of God hovered on his heart. And as he's singing and worshiping, he's writing these things down. And he wrote these words in Psalm chapter number 16, verse number 10. He said, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Paul doesn't give us a scripture. He simply references scriptures. But if you go back into the epistle or the, the book of Acts, you'll find that first the apostle Peter, when he's preaching to the Sanhedrin, just days after the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus, when he's speaking with a bold faith to the Sanhedrin council, the people that were responsible for betraying Jesus to the Roman Senate, the scripture says that Peter said that God did not leave his soul in hell. And he would not allow his Holy One to suffer corruption. And so there was a prophetic word that had been spoken hundreds of years earlier by the sweet psalmist of Israel that God's Messiah would die a brutal death. He would be numbered with the transgressors. He would die between two thieves. He would be buried. And then on the third day, the Bible says by the writer of Habakkuk that on the second day, God would smite us. But on the third day, he would heal us and raise us up. And so the Bible gives us a prophetic image that Jesus Christ died according to the word of God. He was buried according to the scriptures. And yes, he is alive. He is a lie. I want you to know today that what you have in your hand is more than just a good book. I used to preach it this way when I was younger. Reader's Digest, the younger generation don't even know what Reader's Digest is. But the older folk in here today know what I'm talking about. Reader's Digest was a good book when I was a kid. But let me tell you, this is more than a good book. This is the living epistle of God. It's the written revelation of the heart and the mind of God. It is holy writ. And it looked in time a thousand years in advance and it saw a bleeding savior dying on a tree buried in a borrowed tomb and a fateful day in which Jesus Christ would come out of the grave triumphant over death hell and the grave come on somebody and he is alive today did you know the story in the account of the Sadducees did you know the Bible says the Sadducees are sad you see you know why they're sad because they didn't believe in the resurrection you know why they didn't believe in the, the resurrection? Because they only followed the Torah, the law. They didn't read the prophets or the Psalms. They didn't believe that to be inspired utterance. But the Pharisees did believe, and Paul was a Pharisee before his conversion to Christianity. And I wrote it this way in my notes, that Jesus' resurrection confirmed an already held belief that the prophets and the Psalms or the writings were the divinely inspired prophetic writings. His resurrection, his resurrection validated and confirmed that what the prophets had written were the inspired word of God. 
And then I wrote it this way, and I want to share it with you today because I get happy when I read these words. In addition to this, his resurrection then added his own words to the canon of Scripture. So when the apostles receive revelation after his ascension into heaven, and they write down his testimony like we read in John's gospel, but that these are written, then those words become Scripture. Because it's validated by what? It's not validated by history apart from there are some components of history that validate the life of Jesus. There's some narratives. Josephus mentions him. Other historians mentions the person of Jesus Christ. But the words of the apostles inspired by the Holy Spirit are joined to the Old Testament uh, witness of the Scriptures. And it lets you and I know today that we believe that Jesus is alive according to the Scriptures. I thank God for the Word of God. Let me go one further than that. There was a significant moment in the ministry of Jesus, early in his, or late in his ministry, when he went up on a mountain. Does anybody remember that? He went up on a mountain and he brought three of his disciples. And while he was there, the Bible says that two men appeared unto him in glory. Who were those two men? One was Moses, the other was Elijah. And the Bible says that they spoke with him concerning his death that was not that long ago away in Jerusalem. And there's a biblical significance to that moment because Moses represented the law. And so the law was speaking about his death. And Elijah represented the prophets. And the prophets were speaking about his death. And when the, the vision passed, the Bible tells us plainly that Peter and the others are coming down from the mountain with Jesus. And they, are, uh, they don't know what to do. They've been so moved by this moment that they stop and they say, we're going to build three tabernacles. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you, Jesus. Because they think there's a comparison between Moses and Elijah and Jesus. Jesus. And all of a sudden, a glory cloud. What glory cloud was it? The world had not seen that glory cloud since Mount Sinai. That same glory that descended on Mount Sinai, that uttered the voice of God that was captured in Holy Writ, spoke on that day. And out of that cloud, he said, this is... I feel it right there. Right? This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. And today, the reason why that I believe that Jesus Christ is alive, because in his own words, here's what he said. He said, no man taketh my life from me. Freely I've got the power to lay it down. And freely I've got the power to take it up again. He said with his own mouth, the Son of Man is going to Jerusalem. I'll be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. I'll be beaten and smitten, and the sheep will scatter because the shepherd is smitten. I'll be crucified, but I want you to know I'm going to rise from the dead. And the reason why I believe today is because this man prophesied his own death, prophesied his own burial, slept three days, and on the third day he got up out of the grave as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Today I believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Savior because I believe the Word of God. I don't have a personal experience with Christ physically, but I have a deeply spiritual experience with Christ because I believe in the living power of the Word of God. Do you believe that today? Here's how I wrote it as I culminate that point. I believe in the Scriptures. Do you? I don't care what an atheist scientist might say about the Word of God. I believe the Word of God. That's my belief. I don't care what you dig up out of the earth. This didn't come out of the earth. It came from heaven. 
Come on, somebody. It came from heaven. It's a record from heaven about the person of a man called Jesus Christ. Number two, I want to give you a little nugget today. There's a man, I'm about to get my preacher in here. If y'all help me, my goodness gracious alive. There's an eternal hope given to all of us who believe. Now, who believe? This hope does not belong. If you don't believe, if you're a skeptic, agnostic, atheist, then I'm telling you what, you've sat and you've heard a good message, but you're going to go out of here lost as this way that you came in if you don't believe. But if you believe, if you believe, let me tell you, there's a promise that's given to each one of us who believe. And what is that? Joe mentioned it earlier, the hope of eternal life. That's the greatest of all gifts, is it? It's the greatest of all promises that we can have in the Word of God because this life that we now live it's finite. It's, it's perishing. It's passing away. The psalmist said it's like a wisp of smoke. It's here today. You can live to be 90 years, 100 years old, but it's still in the scope of eternity. It's like nothing but a wisp of smoke here today and gone tomorrow. But you and I possess the hope of eternal life. I don't know about you, but I believe. I do believe in the actual physical resurrection of the body of the believer. Do you believe that? Can I just drop a couple of nuggets down because i got a couple of things I'm going to close on in a, in a few moments. So that's my way of setting you up. For me, I'm nowhere near finished. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter number 15. I won't be able to follow it all because it's 20-something verses, but I want to allude to. I want to allude to just a few verses. It's same, that same passage, Paul is affirming to the, to the children or to the church at Corinth who do not believe. Some have been, had their faith shaken because of the, of the, uh, the heresy that Jesus was raised up a spiritual body and not a physical body, that his physical body was not resurrected. And so Paul is, 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 is countering that with this doctrine. Let's look at it for just a moment. Can we for just a moment? Because let me tell you, and that old song said, didn't you enjoy that old song today right there, that revamped song where it says he came out of that grave, he walked out of the grave, I'm a walking too, right? If he's alive, then you know what? I'm going to live too. Well, y'all didn't really believe that. I, uh, whoever believed it ought to respond. I'm, he's alive. One day, one day, you're going to perish. I know that one day you don't feel that. I don't think that, you know, you're, we think, well, yeah, I'm going to die. I've watched my loved ones. No, you're going to die. One day, there will be mourners around your graveside. They'll lower you in the ground like you've lowered your loved ones in the ground. But if you have a hope on the inside of you, there will come a day that just like Jesus came out of the grave, your body's coming out of the grave too. I believe that with all my heart. That's the hope of the resurrection. It's a hope that God's given to us. He said, well, some will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? And I love this. Look what he said, Paul. Look what Paul writes to his audience. Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And then Paul uses the contrast between the agricultural community and the resurrection of Jesus. And he said, that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God's given it a body as it hath pleased him to ever seed his own body. Paul then begins to talk about celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. He begins to talk about the bodies of animals and beasts and the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and then that of man itself. And what he makes a promise to us is, is this right here. The body that we now possess is not the body that's going to be resurrected. The body that we are right now, because many of you came in here with ails and, and, and hurts and, and weaknesses, Paul actually, later in the passage, begins to contrast our present plight. He begins to, uh, to contrast our present physical condition. As we age, Paul said, the outward man will perish. I don't care how healthy you are, as you age, you're not going to be as strong as you were when you were younger. 
I don't care how many th times you do this and drink this and shoot that. You better not be doing that. I got this way looking like this without doing that, and so can you. So no matter how much that you do, the body is still perishing. It's temporal. But there's a body that's going to come out of the grave that's going to so be so much more glorious. The body you possess now is weak and it's temporal. It lacks strength. It's dishonorable. It's filled with uh, lust and addictions. But the body that's coming out of the grave is like unto his glorious body. It's empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's going to live eternally in the presence of a living God. And it's never going to taste death again. And that's why the Apostle John said there's going to come a day God can wipe every tear from our eye. There'll be no more sorrow, no more mourning. Why? And what gives us that hope today? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's called the first fruits of the resurrection. And I want you to think about that. God sowed him in the earth. And he went into the grave as a body that could die. But he came out of the grave as a body that could not die. If Roman tried to take him and rehang him on the tree, the nail would have not pierced sinew and flesh as it did days earlier because a miracle had been worked in his body. Three days later, if they'd have tried to put a crown of thorns on his brow and pierce his brow till blood flowed down his face, they would not be able to put the brow or put that, that crown on his brow because it would not pierce his flesh because his body had been changed. And the Bible says that God's going to give us a body fashioned like his glorious body. That's a powerful promise to us as believers. As a matter of fact, church family, let me say this before I share the third and perhaps the most important point with you today in an abbreviated message. I got more preaching in me than what you got time to listen to. In a day when we believe in the blessings of God, the greatest blessing that you can have is the peace that you have, eternal life with God through Christ Jesus. It is. I don't care. Life is still fragile. It's just very fragile. And you can make your plans to retire when you're 67. And you can make your plans to buy an island off the coast of Bermuda. And die of cancer two years later. But if you have the hope of eternal life. Come on then you have the promise that there's going to be a resurrection one day. And I don't want us to overlook that. In all of our celebration for the good things that God has done, when Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church about this, he said, I don't want you to sorrow as others who have no hope. If you don't have a genuine, authentic faith in Christ, you don't have the hope that I now possess. So I wrote it this way as I transitioned from that point. I believe in the hope of resurrection. Do you? I believe in the hope of resurrection. It gives me great comfort today. Lastly today, I saw this, and this was something. that This is what set me to kind of dancing today in my own spirit. Can I turn with you real quickly to one last passage in Romans 6, and then I'll get out of your way in just a moment. Romans chapter number 6. It's all tied to the resurrection. Isn't it? Thank God for the resurrection of Jesus. 
I wrote it in my notes. This is a present truth that's revealed in the resurrection of Jesus that often goes unnoticed or overlooked. And do you know what that is? Church family, let me tell you what it is. It's the believers. It's tied directly, directly. Listen very carefully today. I won't preach much longer. If you'll just stay with me, I believe this is the, uh, the tipping point in this whole message today. Perhaps this is the, 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 the most impacting point that is um, workable in your life immediately. The believer's victory over sin. You believe in that today? Yes. You believe in something called sin and the culture doesn't. Nothing is sin in this culture today. But how many of you know that God has a different standard? Right? God is holy. And there is something called sin. There's something called sin. But there's a victory over sin. You believe that? I believe that. I believe there's a victory over sin. And whatever is sin to you and whatever a sin that you're involved in in your life, let me tell you today, your victory over sin is tied directly to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wait, what, 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 wait, is it tied to, no, wait a minute, Pastor, I thought it was tied to the blood. No, that's your forgiveness of sin. See, that's what our culture, if they do believe in sin, that's what our culture wants. Our culture, unfortunately, has believed that it's the will of God for you to be forgiven from sin and not delivered from sin. But see, Jesus didn't just die on the cross to forgive you of your sin, he died to deliver you from your sin. And you say, Pastor, well, how is it tied to his resurrection? I'm going to show you here in closing today. Look what Paul said. Paul, as we begin in verse number 1, just to create the context, the mysteries hid in the fourth verse. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's the obvious answer to that? God forbid, right? Certainly not. Another translation. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Paul's saying if you're really born again, you're dead to sin. But then notice what he says. Paul begins to make this very practical so that we can understand it. Know ye not that so many of us as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we were baptized into what? We're baptized into his death. Let's look at this. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. <laughs> that like... As Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, wait a minute, just a minute. There's something about to unlock and explode in somebody's spirit because we're going to tie this together. Now, let's, let's read it on down and let me dialogue just for a minute. If we've been planted together, that was in our baptism, in the likeness of his death. That's what we preachers say, that when we baptize you, we're burying you with Jesus. So that when you're raised again, you walk in newness of life. That's where we get that from in this particular passage. So we're buried together in baptism with his death, but we're going to be raised together in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, look at this, the sixth verse. That our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. Let's go on down. For he that is dead is freed from sin. But now listen. If we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also. You just sang it. He came out of that grave and I'm a walking to. Right? He overcome that grave and I'm overcoming sin. Well, let's go on down. Let's see if we can catch that. 
Knowing that Christ, look at the ninth verse, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Death doesn't. How many of you believe? Let me, let me see if we can tie this all together. Likewise, reckon yourself to be dead unto God, or dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's see if we can put this all together. How many of you believe today that Jesus Christ is alive to the glory of God? Do you believe with all of your heart, all of your heart, that he died a literal physical death on Calvary? That they pierced his head, they cut his side, blood, water flowed out, pierced in his hands and his feet. And after several hours on the cross in agony, he cried out, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. And he pillowed his head in death. You believe that today? I believe that it was a lifeless body that was placed in what's called the, the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. A tomb hewn out that no man had ever been laid in. That was near to the crucifixion site. And they placed the lifeless body of Jesus on the cold, hard slab. He was quickly embalmed by Nicodemus and another uh, uh, follower of Jesus. And the, the stone was rolled in front and sealed with the signet ring of Pontius Pilate. Do not roll away the stone. You believe that? That's the death and the burial of Jesus Christ. You believe that? You believe that? On the third day... When Mary and the other women were making their way back, they said to the tomb they were going to embalm his body because as obviously the women did not believe the men did it right. <laughs> obviously. So they carried bombs and spices with them to embalm his body the correct way. And they said among themselves, how can we roll the stone away? It's too great. And when they got there, what did they find? That the stone had already been rolled away. And an angel of God was sitting on the stone. And he said these words, Why seek ye the living among the dead? For Jesus is not here. For he's alive as he said he would. And you say, well, how did that happen? He was dead. Because the apostle Paul said the same spirit. The spirit of God entered into the lifeless body of Yeshua of Nazareth. And quickened his mortal body. And when he quickened his mortal body, he that had pillowed his head in death suddenly woke up. And he got up out of the grave. And before they could roll the stone away, he had already walked out of the grave. Because he doesn't need a door now. Right? Do you believe that today? You believe that? I believe that with all my heart today. Then if you believe that Jesus Christ is resurrected by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, and He overcame the grave, then you, my dear friend, can overcome sin by the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Pastor, do you really believe that? Let me tell you, that's why we as a staff, many of us go to the other side. We look those men in the eye that have had addictions and many of those addictions are the result of a sinful behavior. And we look them in the eye and we tell them that you can overcome every bit of your addictive behavior. Every part of your life can be changed because of the supernatural power of the living Savior. We believe that. And I came to this house today to tell you that struggle with crystal meth because there's some under the sound of my voice today that you possess that same struggle. You struggled with it. 
Let me tell you, if you believe that Jesus Christ came out of that grave, then you need to believe that you can overcome every addiction, every sin, everything in your life. That hatefulness, that mean spirit, that lustfulness, that adultery, that fornication, you know what that means? Sexual sin outside of marriage, homosexuality, promiscuity, all types of sin, right? How many of you know that Jesus can deliver you from all sin? If the same spirit that raised Christ, Paul culminated the argument, Romans 8, verse number 11, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he'll quicken your mortal body. He'll make you alive. And you can live a life that's pleasing to God. You can. Did you know that? You can live a life that's pleasing to God. I want to ask our worship team to join me on the platform today as we're closing. We're going to close in song, but we're going to give an invitation here. We're going to give an invitation in just a moment after they sing through just a little bit of this song. I asked you three questions. I've asked two so far. I'm about to ask the third. The first question that I asked, do you believe the scriptures? I said, I do. I believe in the word of God. I believe it's the authoritative word of God. It's my rule of conduct and faith. It's my life, my hope. It's what I believe. And I believe it's what you believe as well. Many of you believe. Number two today, do you believe in the hope of resurrection? How many know it's an eternal hope? I thank God for it today. Life is so fragile. I know I've said that twice already, but I'll say it again. It just is. It can change so quickly. I mean, you can be strong and healthy one moment, feeling like the, the world is at your feet, and the next day, just like that, things can change, and they can change so tragically. But I'll tell you what, we have a promise in God, and it's, it's tied directly to the resurrection of Jesus. Do you believe in the resurrection, the hope of resurrection? I do. And lastly, the last question, if I were to ask you today, is do you believe in the believer's victory over sin? Do you believe that? See that? Can we put that fourth verse back up there, uh, if we can, Angie, in the sixth chapter for just a moment? I want you to see those words as we get, get ready, just right here. Because we're going to sing a song, uh, I believe it's called I Believe. But in that fourth verse right there at the end, let's read that last day. It says, that, that as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so should we walk in newness of life. There are people under the sound of my voice. You've experienced forgiveness. That meant you were convicted by your sin. And you repented. And you repented. And you repented. Over and over and over again. But you've never found the power to start overcoming that sin. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. If you embrace the work of the Spirit of God in your life, if you'll long for and call upon and believe in and submit yourself to God, then I want you to know that as Jesus is alive, so shall you live in newness of life. You'll overcome that struggle. You'll overcome that alcoholism. You'll overcome that addiction to meth or to cocaine or marijuana. You'll overcome sneaking in the back room and nobody's around looking at pornography you'll overcome and you know pastor brown i could i could roll a list out that would run from here to the back of the wall of the church and that still wouldn't be enough to write down everything 
what I want you to know is you're an overcomer because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Would y'all stand up? And would y'all sing a song with us today for just a moment? And then we're going to give an invitation. And Pastor Brown will meet you right here if you want somebody to pray with you today. So they're going to sing. We're going to give an invitation in just a moment.